Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, October 28th, 2022 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week on the podcast, Marionette Miller Meeks and a vaccine mandate, question mark. Uh, Chuck Grassley and Mike Franken on the campaign trail. Newspaper endorsements are dying, just like newspapers. And Donald Trump returns to Iowa. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette and Cedar Rapids. Once again, we come to you with the full roster. We have here today Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Aaron. Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCall is here. Hello, Caleb. Good morning, Aaron. We have Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times. Hello, Sarah. Good morning. Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal is here. Good morning, Jared. Aaron, if anything goes wrong in a person's life, it's because they smoked marijuana's. <laughs> I was wondering. Look, I I tried to find another screen capture no, from that, that was commercial. The, that was the best one, man. That one's so great. I love it so much. And I've been wondering how many people are going to catch that. He doesn't say marijuana's either. He says marijuana, but the text, the caption says marijuana's plural. So. I have to I have to say I'm partial to the "Why do you think you're smarter than God?" Kim line. I think that that's a good one too. Man. Instant classic. Instant classic ad. <laughs> and finally, uh, yeah, I, I, hold on. So for those who wondered what the heck we're talking about, we're talking about Rick Stewart's campaign ad. And um, we didn't have much art of him for our preview uh, story where I interviewed him uh, on the governor's campaign. And so we had to use a screen grab from his commercial. And the best screen grab where he's in the, in a good pose happened to have the caption that has the word marijuana's with an s yes with an s oh check out that story and see for yourself um and finally we get to todd dorman gazette columnist hello todd uh good day <laughs> where am i am i what is this <laughs> why am Todd, i here Todd has been smoking the marijuana's today <laughs> I was actually born in Marijuana County, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my goodness! Can you tell we're getting close to the election, folks? Uh, first up this week, during a campaign event in Davenport, Congresswoman Marionette Miller Meeks, the Republican incumbent running for a second two-year term in Eastern Iowa's new first district said that if Republicans take control of the U.S. House, she wants multiple investigations, including into the origins of COVID-19 and the federal government's pandemic response. She also, at that event, pushed back against what she called the CDC's new COVID-19 vaccine mandate for students. And she used the word mandate, only uh, that's not what the CDC did. Right, Sarah? Right. So the CDC um, last week of a, a, an advisory committee voted to add the COVID-19 vaccine to the recommended immunization schedule for children's, children and adults. So this just means that the CDC is recommending children and adults who are eligible for the vaccine and subsequent boosters to, to get those. Um, but then states and local jurisdictions, it, uh, it kind of opens the door for them to require those, that vaccine for uh, schools and states 
um, or for schools, excuse me. And so Marionette Miller Meeks, she said at the events that, um, and obviously COVID-19 and, and, and mandates and lockdowns, um, campaign, Republicans have really campaigned against those um, during ahead of these midterm elections. And um, so she said, um, let's see here. We just heard this week that the CDC is going to mandate on the childhood vaccines, the COVID vaccine for children we, who we know aren't affected by COVID. Um, and, you know, so so just uh, that uh, the CDC isn't requiring the COVID-19 vaccine for children or for students. Um, it's simply a recommendation and then states can uh, can require it if they so choose. And obviously, Iowa has passed a law um, that they schools cannot require kids to get the vaccine yeah so has she since uh sarah clarified that statement and because it's plausible that she misspoke by using the word mandate or, or or had misheard about the policy when it first came out has she said anything to clarify that since uh no she hasn't okay that okay. i know of so that's interesting then i guess the question then is whether um you know she misspoke uh, perhaps accidentally perhaps not it's possible. exactly what the CD or, or, you know, look, uh, mandates has become a flash word, as you noted, in um, Republican campaigns. Uh, may, maybe it was intentional. Uh, and certainly several. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say certainly several Republicans have said, you know, this this CDC recommendation opens the door for states to mandate right. the vaccine. So it's possible that, you know, that's maybe what she meant, uh, that it's that it's one step in the process. Yeah. Aaron, you mentioned uh, multiple investigations. I kind of have to wonder if this is just a permanent fixture now that like Mm -hmm. a non-substantial chunk of voting in federal races is getting to decide who gets punished, like who gets to investigate who and who gets to do the investigating. Like I'd have to think some of those other ones that we might see would be, you know, maybe Hunter Biden gets added to the investigations list um, because that's something folks in the base would like to see, like. I think we're just in an era of uh, investigations in in Congress now. Mm-hmm. The, the, those will be the first uh, platforms that each candidate, congressional candidate, comes out uh, with each cycle. Now, who, who do yeah, you and, want? And to who, be sir, will you be investigating? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, God help us. Aaron, um, all right, uh, moving on. Everybody had something interesting that they reported on this week. Not that we don't every week, but. Uh, this close to an election, a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, so we're staying on the campaign trail, but uh, sliding just up the ticket to Iowa's U.S. Senate campaign. Caleb, you covered an event where Republican incumbent U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley was joined by fellow Republican U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee at a campaign event in West Des Moines, where Grassley focused on what he said was his work on women's health care and legislation helping survivors of sexual assault. Now, even though this On Iowa Politics podcast is full to the brim with expert analysts, even a rookie can see that this is a pretty clear attempt by Grassley to provide his counterpoint to Democrats' criticism of Grassley's and Republicans' positions on abortion in, the, in this campaign cycle. Um, so, Caleb, what was the case that, that Grassley made there that day? Yeah, so Grassley talked about some legislation that he co-sponsored that affected sexual assault reporting in the military and on college campuses. 
And he focused especially on the Speak Out Act. Um, that's a very bipartisan effort um, supported by members of both parties on the Judiciary Committee to prohibit the enforcement of non-disclosure agreements when someone alleges sexual assault uh, in a workplace and also prohibit uh, or prevent forced arbitration over workplace sexual assaults. Um, so that passed in the Judiciary Committee in September, and Grassley is the ranking member of that committee. Um, he also mentioned a bill that he introduced that aims to improve prenatal and postpartum care for women, especially in rural areas. Uh, that hasn't been brought up in a committee yet, as far as I know. Um, and then, so, you know, this was, as you mentioned, Aaron, um, very much a attempt to stave off criticisms about abortion or provide kind of that counter narrative of um, uh, things that he says have supported women. Um, and I think the event was also an attempt to draw contrast specifically with his Democratic opponent, Mike Franken. Uh, Franken has been accused of kissing his former campaign manager without her consent um, this spring. And he denies that and notes that the police uh, closed the investigation without making any criminal determination. But Grassley's campaign has definitely um, you know, highlighted that and tried to draw attention and suggest that Franken has a problem with respecting women, um, both around consent and also just in general um, in public remarks. So Franken's campaign manager, Julie Stotch, said um, that uh, Grassley is the one who has a problem with women, um, that he's voted against abortion rights consistently and against women's autonomy. Um, they have an ad right now noting that he has taken votes or supported limiting access to birth control and supported banning abortion um, throughout his career uh, or in the past. Uh, um, and so uh, that's that's kind of what Grassley had put up and uh, Franken's response. Yeah, that's interesting. And I confess, I'm 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 kicking myself now. Uh, maybe I can remember and bring it up next week. Um, it's uh, I'd be interested I'd, to know uh, how women are split in in that in polling on that race. So, like in the last Iowa poll, um, uh, but regardless what that poll said, clearly it's a um, uh, some issues in a, in a voting block that were at the focus here. Meantime, Grassley's challenger, Democrat Mike Franken, got a little help on the campaign the trail this week from former Alabama U.S. Senator Doug Jones and longtime Democratic strategist Joe Trippi. Both said they believe Franken has, <clears throat> pardon me, both said they believe Franken has the momentum in the campaign and that he has a legitimate shot at pulling off the upset victory over Grassley. Um, Tom, of, of course, that's what they said, um, but, you know, not that doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're not right. There's not something to that. So when they told you that, did that sound like the usual expected rooting for the teammate sort of lip service or, or did either of these folks offer any kind of thoughts or analysis that uh, you thought kind of justified their optimism in, in Franken's chances? Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of things they had um, to say that um, I think potentially could justify um, Franken's chances. Um, and, um, you know, Joe Trippi, um, a, a longtime Democratic strategist um, who, um, you know, is um, is no stranger to Iowa and Iowa politics. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I guess, um, you know, he's most uh, known for um, excuse me. <clears throat> I guess most known uh, for his work as uh, the campaign manager for former Vermont governor, Howard Dean's 2004 presidential bid. Um, so again, he's, he's familiar with Iowa, Iowa politics. And um, 
he uh, he mentioned that he did some door knocking in Clive uh, before joining Franken on the campaign trail in Iowa City. And um, a lot of what he heard, you know, is not dissimilar to what I've heard um, talking to voters, um, Democrats, independents and, and frankly, a few Republicans, um, you know, who um, say that, uh, you know, they voted for Grassley in the past, um, you know, they 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 backed the senator and and they were um you know happy to to vote for him and 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 tom harkin and um felt that uh you know up until um you know the last couple of years that he was um uh, a bipartisan lawmaker you know who worked closely with with harkin on a lot of influential bills and legislations but um has since become more partisan um according to some voters that I talked to in Iowa City, more more cantankerous, um, and they um, have been turned off by his, um, you know, um, support of an endorsement by uh, former President Trump. Um, and, uh, you know, for his uh, role in blocking uh, former President Barack Obama's uh, Supreme Court nominees, while um, you know, pushing forward and kind of expediting the confirmation process um, for um, for Trump's Supreme Court nominees, um, and 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 again, uh, say that uh, they just think that um, he's 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 served long enough. He's been in office too long. Um, they continue to say that uh, his age is a concern, and that uh, they're looking for. Um, you know, uh, fresh perspective, new ideas, and, um, uh, you know, say that uh, Mike Franken's background, his, his military service, um, his uh, rural upbringing in um, northwestern Iowa, um, you know, are, are, are appealing to him, and, and that, uh, you know, he's got, and that, that appeal, um, you know, extends beyond just the, the, the Democratic base and appeals to independents and, and, and moderates, and, you um, and, you know, you're seeing that reflected in, in again, um, interviewing voters. And, and uh, so I went out to Lindale Mall to talk to some voters. Um, it's a early voting satellite uh, site. And, um, you know, that was a kind of a consistent theme and message that I heard from 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 um, talking to them after voting. Yeah. And speaking of that, uh, watch out for that story. Um, um in uh, uh, coming Gazette uh, editions and online. And uh, Tom's also got another interesting one uh, coming uh, uh, that I'll make a quick plug here on um, misinformation in elections and, and how Secretary of State Paul Pates trying to address that kind of stuff, um, especially through the prism of some people in his own party, making that job a little harder. Uh, so, uh Real interesting stuff from from Tom. Uh, don't mean to single out one on a great team here, but I just happen to know about those two stories that are both coming this weekend. Worth checking out. And uh, Caleb's profiles, our final profiles, right? Uh, uh, the Senate profiles uh, for Mike Franken and uh, Chuck Grassley, uh, speaking of these two folks, uh, will be in our, our Sunday editions and all the Gazette and Lee papers. So uh, make sure you check those out too. Um, so, so there's at least one uh, more reason to hypothesize that Republicans believe Grassley is vulnerable. The announcement that former president Donald Trump plans a campaign rally in Iowa on Thursday, November 3rd, 
just five days before the election at the Sioux City Airport. As one brilliantly insightful Iowa politics reporter pointed out on Twitter this week, and I'll let you deduce who that may have been, uh, the Trump campaign uh, the other day announced three rallies that will be all be in the final week before Election Day in Pennsylvania and Ohio, both of which are among the most hotly contested, contested states in the midterm elections between campaigns for Senate and governor, and Iowa, which was supposedly a, a sleepy, who cares kind of state. So, uh, Jared... Uh, let me ask you, the Trump campaign is making its way to your backyard. Uh, what's your, what do you make of this? Why Iowa? Why Sioux City? Well, um, Jim Carlin got 26% of the vote in the primary against Grassley mm-hmm. in June. That's statewide. In Woodbury County, where I'm at, where Sioux City is, Carlin got 40% of the votes cast on Election Day in the Republican primary. He got a similar total in Plymouth County. Monona County was 37%, 31% for Ida County, which is also nearby. And there are folks, uh, even Republicans in our area and in other parts of the state, who do think, well, I mean, Grassley is kind of old. I've seen that from reliable Republican voters. So at least around here, there's some of that uncertainty. And bringing Trump in is meant to allay some of that uncertainty that voters in our neck of the woods might have about Grassley. Trump will, you know, throw his arms around him and say, Chuck's in even better shape than I am. Um, and that'll be, you know, how it goes. So I, I, I don't know if this is just all about a fear of Franken and what his campaign could do. I think part of it too does look to be like a little bit of mild unease about getting as many Republicans as possible to vote for Grassley. Cause even if he has had, you know, a, a shift toward more conservative uh, streak, He's not necessarily the flavor that some of the party, you know, loyalists want anymore. And, and some and what some of the Trump loyalists want, too. Mm-hmm. I, I covered the uh, event here a year ago where um, when Chuck Grassley was introduced at the event at the Iowa State Fairgrounds in Des Moines here, um, there were some booze in the crowd. Now, I'm not saying they were a lot. It, it wasn't the majority of the crowd by any stretch of the imagination but that 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 there are any and enough to even hear is obviously a big deal at at a at an all republican rally you know so 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 that could be um part of that too that uh trying to get the hardcore trump supporters to um you know swallow their um perhaps a little bit of distaste for chuck grassley um as well um He's got, a, I think, a couple of things that 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 block is upset about, and it's the infrastructure bill. Uh, Chuck Grassley voted for the bipartisan infrastructure bill, and uh, he and he voted to certify the election results as as well. Yeah, I would just add, um, I heard uh, those concerns from Republican voters in Scott County um, leading up to, to to the primary election, and um, you know, just a reminder that. Um, uh, uh, Carlin, you know, um, took away what about a, a 25% of the vote in that primary, um, you know, a, a not insignificant number. Um, yeah. but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, there definitely is a segment of, um, of, of, of the base of the Republican party that, um, is, is unhappy with, uh, you know, Grassley voting to certify the election. And then, um, also for voting for the infrastructure bill. 
Does anybody else find it interesting, though, that, I mean, Jim Carlin never got Trump's endorsement. Like, Trump has always no, and endorsed he, And he really, he he really wanted, wanted it. it, too. Like, um, I, I think I talked about this on the podcast before the primary, but, like, the events of his that I went to, like, there was, like, all kinds of campaign literature that was very Trump-like and, like, making a point of how, like, much he's like Trump. Yeah. I mean, he's questioned the election results on the Iowa Senate floor. So, I mean, it, uh, yeah. Um, it, it, so, yeah, so that was interesting that uh, despite all that, um, Trump still in, endorsed uh, Grassley. I, 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 I'm, I'm starting to kind of, you know, hypothesize here. But I, 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 to me, that feels like um, an instance where Donald Trump decided to be more pragmatic versus um, you know, being um, maybe reactionary as, as he has been with some other um, senators or, or House members when he sees a vote that, or a statement that they don't like and and, and he'll um, go after him. I, I think in the case of Chuck Grassley, which is interesting that Chuck is one of the few to survive that kind of thing, that, 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 that Donald Trump chose the more pragmatic approach of like, look, this is a guy who's been an institution in the Senate uh, uh, forever. Um, I was going to stand behind him. I probably should too. Um, so it's, man, that, that campaign more than any other, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how this ultimately shakes out. We've got polling. That's a little all over the map, the Iowa poll, which is, um, obviously has its record speaks for itself and, and they've got it within three points. And then you see some, um, Republican polling firms that are saying it's it's in the low double digits. So we've got a wide range in the polling. Um, we've got these interesting moves by the Grassley campaign in the final weeks that s- seems to suggest that he thinks that nothing's a given um, here. And, and you know, I know, you know, Republicans would tell me, well, that's how Chuck Grassley always campaigns. I mean, yeah, 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 to a certain degree. But look, there's there's that, but still knowing that you're up 20 points and there's um, what's happening here um, lately. And, and I think uh, it, it's it's apparent that uh, uh, the Grassley campaign knows uh, that they're um, need every uh, going to need their voters to turn out. Yeah. It's um, like a comparison to that, Aaron, of just like thinking you're just going to walk right in. Like yeah. uh, Kim Reynolds was here last night and didn't talk about Deidre Dejir at all. That's what there you, you do when you think you're going to just waltz right into to reelection. Yep. Yep. That's a good comparison. That's exactly right. All right. Finally, this week, uh, we once again do a little navel gazing because we're journalists and we can't help ourselves. That's what we do. Um, the Associated Press this week, um, I thought was a real, genuinely published an interesting story about the decline of newspaper endorsements and how fewer papers are doing them and the and the myriad reasons why that may be. Um, Todd, um, this is right in your wheelhouse. Uh, is the Gazette's opinion editor? You're on the front lines of this. Um, you will help form the Gazette's endorsements. Um, if we have any, do we have any, have we had any? Yeah, they're um, obviously they very, run? very high profile. Yeah, uh, I apologize. <laughs> Although this, this can, I can genuinely point to when I tell people, I really have, you know, the editorial department is completely separate. Here's a perfect example. I'm not acting on this, folks. I genuinely had to ask Todd whether our well, endorsements have run. Digit on the digital products, this uh, the AP story you're talking about got better play than, than our endorsements. So <laughs> oh, there you there you have it. There's your there's your answer. Oh, 
Hey, a click is a click, right? Though <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah, right. Uh, so, 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 Todd, uh, what did you think about that story? And and do you think newspaper endorsements um, are important to sustain and 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 explain those decisions to readers, or, or do you think they do more harm than good to the perception of a paper's objectivity? Well, I think you know I. Of course, I think everything I do is important. So, uh, but you know, they—they're not as. I mean, when I first, you know, started working in opinion, I mean, we we had a pretty rigorous process where, you know, both candidates would come in, or three, or how many ever were were running, and we'd have conversations with them and learn a little bit about them and how they stand on issues. And, and that was sort of the most important part of the process. So, uh, you know, that's faded away. Republicans don't want to meet with us mostly. We've, we've had a Democrat or two also over the years that didn't want to meet with us for one reason or another. Uh, among Republicans now, it's kind of a tactic that, you know, they don't meet with editorial boards unless they're sort of more like-minded and they assault the endorsements once they're made and, and Jeff Kaufman goes out there and calls me names. And, and so, uh, so unless they happen to get endorsed, then we're great. Yeah. They were excited about the, uh, the Henson people were excited about the Telegraph Herald. Loved that. Uh, th less, editorial department. less so our endorsement, but, uh, and so it's like a lot of things. I mean, th these sort of institutions of campaign of political campaigning, the, you know, debates and forums and and endorsements, all of this stuff is being devalued now in favor of, you know, sort of what, you know, reaching around us and and delivering their messages on social media and various other, you know, media platforms. So uh, so the meetings have gone away and which is really unfortunate. And, you know, we've talked about should we keep doing it? And I, my, my, you know, the way I feel about it is that I think one of the two major parties has decided to try to maybe sort of bully us into stopping endorsements. And I don't feel comfortable letting that happen. I mean, we've been doing these for the better part of a century, and I don't really want to be the editorial page editor who, who killed the endorsements. You know, <laughs> oh, who was the, who was the who was the uh, scaredy cat who quit doing endorsements? That ah, was that doorman. So, uh, so that's part of it. I mean, will they will they go away or be curtailed? I mean, they may over the next few years. I think probably the most valuable ones we do are in your municipal, county, city council, school board type settings where you know candidates will still meet with us at least for the most part and we can actually impart some information that maybe yeah. voters don't know because these, you know, campaigns are so low, low profile usually. So it, we may shrink back. That's what the register has done. They're no longer endorsing in federal races. They're only doing state races and legislative races and local races. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, like I say, like, like a lot of things, political norms and traditions are just, you know, they're, they ain't what they used to be. Yeah. You know, it it doesn't necessarily help either that there there have been some uh, misfires in like the past couple cycles, and like obviously newspapers aren't picking endorsements because they are necessarily saying like, you know, this is who's going to win. 
but it didn't help like that the New York Times in like the 2020 Democratic primary, they picked not one candidate, but two for president. And neither one of them were even close to, to winning. And then, you know, here in Iowa, was there a major paper that uh, uh, endorsed Bernie? Because he ended up coming, you know, basically in first place. And I don't think anyone did. And again, the Daily you know, Island. I, there you go. OK, so there you go. But yeah, so like those kind of things don't necessarily help either, even though that's not the reason for for doing endorsements. Well, we don't. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. And and then I was going to say, too, it also just doesn't help that we're in an era now where no one knows how to differentiate between reporting and opinion. So, you know, they'll see the endorsements that you roll out, uh, Todd, and they'll think, oh, that that means that everyone else at the, the paper, you know, feels the exact same way about all of these candidates. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think um, there's also a decent, arg- I think one of the, I mean, a good argument for um, especially the lack of endorsement in kind of the federal level or the more large um, races, you know, people, I, I think, you know, a long time ago, newspapers were one of your few sources of, of you know, good, reliable information and uh, I guess opinions in general, right, other than your friends. Um, but now, I mean, everybody you know, you're inundated with people's opinions online all day long. And so it's like, you know, we, we like, I, you know, I want to think that newspaper editorial boards have better, better informed opinions, at least, right. Um, when it comes to these kind of things, they've been able to sit down with the candidates and stuff, but uh, it, it's harder to, I think, argue that uh, it's, that people should be paying attention to that one source of opinions when they have, you know, hundreds right. of other options. So, it's a thought. Well, and you know, the other, I mean, one argument that I make is that basically we spend the rest of the year and odd numbered years and, and, you know, editorializing on issues, you know, decisions that the legislature makes or, or doesn't make or, and all of these things, what the governor's proposed or not proposed. So to sort of weigh in on all of that and then kind of ignore the contest that puts the candidates in position to make those, you know, those policy issues and those policy decisions seems like kind of a, a, would be a large sort of gap in our, you know, in the, in our process, because if we, you know, if we stay silent on elections, I guess it's, you know, how can we then, you know, criticize the people that we didn't, you know, that we didn't, after not going through an endorsement process, we criticize the actions that these elected officials have taken. It just, I don't know. It seems important. We, we, we've never endorsed in, in primaries or in the caucuses. I think another what you know, what Jared was talking about some harm can be done is uh, in 2012 when the, when the register endorsed Mitt Romney for president. And I think a lot of people just saw that as a kind of a desperate move to, to show that they're bipartisan in some way and not just, and, and it was easy to see through. And I think people, you know, I don't, I don't think the Romney supporters were patting them on the back. And of course, Democrats thought it was a, a terrible thing to not endorse Obama for a second term. And, uh, you know, and, and I've, that's the thing I've found is that we could stop doing endorsements. So I'm not going to get one email or phone call saying, hey, I'm really glad you did that. I mean, for, for years, it was always, why don't... Dorman needs to be balanced with a conservative columnist. So now we have a Republican conservative columnist. Haven't heard from anybody say, hey, thanks for doing that. I mean, they just, there's always going to be something. So, 
I mean, we just have to do our jobs and, and do, you know, what we can do. And, and that's, we can't please everyone. And so some days we can please no one, but I'll just keep writing until I, you know, until they put me out to pasture. And so, Todd, obviously the, the main endorsement this cycle, you you endorsed the Xi, right, for another uh, term over in uh, in China. That was the big endorsement. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. also we also endorsed in Cuba, and I can't. Ah. So yeah, we, you know, places that we have and still have influence. I think is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's, so, and you know, people say they don't read them, but those editorials, the endorsements for Senate and Governor, have been among the best read editorials as far as page views that we've had all year. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's all, that's all really interesting. And I, 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 like I said at the top, I genuinely thought it was an interesting article. I find the process um, interesting and um, you know, I'm able to look at it without seeing it purely through the objective uh, or through the lens of who we do and don't endorse. You know, I, I genuinely think the, the process is interesting. And so I, I appreciate uh, your thoughts, Todd, in the, in the discussion here. Uh, that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. Folks, the next time we meet and cast our pod, it will be four days before the election and oh our last pre election podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so don't miss next week. And then obviously the week after, uh, we'll all be uh, recovering from uh, some kind of uh, post-election coma. But that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends. Make sure you subscribe to us on any number of streaming audio services, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon. If you have any topics you'd like to suggest or you just want to reach out, tell us what an awesome job we're doing. Send an email to podcasts at thegazette.com. And now that you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that On Iowa Politics newsletter at our website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you hear here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. McFisto will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the show, please send us a sound file. For Tom, Caleb, Sarah, Jared, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks for listening, and get out and vote.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.